The highly anticipated report examining the devastating impact of the conflict on civilians details a series of violations and abuses, including unlawful killings, extrajudicial executions, sexual and gender-based violence, and the forced displacement of civilians, among others. Michelle Bachelet is the UN High Commissioner for Human Rights. We have reasonable grounds to believe that during this period, all parties to the Tigray conflict have committed violations of international human rights, humanitarian and refugee law. Some of this may amount to war crimes and crimes against humanity. Civilians in Tigray have been subjected to brutal violence and suffering. The joint investigation team uncovered numerous violations and abuses, including unlawful killings and extrajudicial executions, torture, sexual and gender-based violence, violations against refugees, and forced displacement of civilians. The report covers the period from early November 2020 until the end of June this year, a timeline from when the armed conflict began until the Ethiopian government declared a unilateral ceasefire on the 28th of June this year. In a conflict that pitted the Ethiopian National Defense Force, allied with the Eritrean Defense Force, the Amhara Special Forces, the Amhara Fano and other militias on one side, against the Tigrayan Special Forces, Tigrayan militia and other allied groups. The report found that the majority of violations documented in the reporting period were committed by Ethiopian and Eritrean forces, but officials have since noted an increasing number of allegations of human rights abuses by Tigrayan forces as well. The family of four killed in Aider, Mekele, as their house was shelled, reportedly by the Ethiopian National Defense Forces without any apparent military justification. The 26-year-old woman in Adyat, who was gang-raped by Eritrean Defense Force soldiers in front of her three-year-old daughter. The man in Maikadra, attacked with machetes by the Samri Tigrayan youth group, shot in the back and thrown into a fire. I want to amplify, amplify here today what victims and survivors of violations convey to our joint investigation team. They want their means of livelihoods restored. They want reparations for destroyed homes and they have, that they, all they have lost. They want to know the truth about what happened to their loved ones, for all sides to acknowledge their role in the suffering they have inflicted on them, and for the perpetrators to be brought to justice. The Office of the U.S. Trade Representative this week warning that Ethiopia along with Mali and Guinea would be terminated from AGOA as of January 1st, absent urgent action to meet statutory eligibility criteria which includes the rule of law and political pluralism. Ambassador Jeffrey Feltman is the U.S. Special Envoy to the Horn of Africa. We could proceed down one path that would inevitably lead to sanctions and other measures or we go down another path on which we could revitalize the positive, promising bilateral relationship that was expanding to new heights under Prime, when Prime Minister Abiy took office. The United States wants the latter. We sincerely want to chart a more productive path out of the current crisis. We do not want Ethiopia to lose its AGOA trade benefits or its international assistance. We are prepared to exercise leadership in the international community to energize the support needed for Ethiopia's recovery from war and to realize the Prime Minister's ambitious economic and job creation agenda. Mr. President, 
Earlier Wednesday, and in a sign that the conflict was far from over, Prime Minister Abiy Ahmed warned they would bury the enemy with their blood and bones and make the glory of Ethiopia rise again. I'm Sherman Bryce-Pease in New York. Like a true skeptic, you never believed in love at first sight until it happened to you. Cupid's arrow took you by surprise as you looked through the store window and saw the one. I'll get it on Black Friday. You told yourself. (laughs) Not without a TV license, said the sassy cashier. And now the perfect plasma screen TV that was made for you belongs to someone else. This Black Friday, the TV of your dreams is just a TV license payment away. TV licenses. Pay yours. Make a difference. At SAFM Radio and at Elvis Preslin on Twitter. It is now 6.40 if you've just joined us. Eswatini's main political opposition has generally welcomed President Sildar Maposa's meeting with King Mswati in the small kingdom this week, in which they agreed on arrangements for a national dialogue to negotiate a way out of the country's political impasse. Ramaphosa met with King Mswati in his capacity as the chair of the Southern African Development Community, SADC, the organ of, uh, on politics, defense and security. The meeting of the two heads of state follows a visit by a special envoy last month. To further discuss this, we joined on the line by the managing editor of the Times of Iswatini, Martin Dlamini. A very good morning to you, sir, and welcome. Good morning to you, others, and good morning to you, listeners. Now, President Sil Ramaphosa, South Africa's uh, president, met this week with the king on the situation in the country. Can you give us details on that meeting? What happened? Yes, certainly. Um, the meeting um, issued out a community in which it was uh, revealed that there would be a national dialogue, but this time it would have a terms of reference. Um, the terms of reference would be drafted with the assistance of the FedEx Secretariat, which is an addition to what the envoy had previously uh, announced. So the terms of reference are yet to be um we start to people, and we don't know for sure what form or shape uh, this, this dialogue forum will take now. But there is a contentious issue with the insistence that the dialogue will take place within the Sibaya uh, and through Parliament as well. On Friday this week, um, the National Multi-Stakeholder Forum, which includes the political party formations, have sort of rejected that, that venue as the platform for which that dialogue could take place. Now, this raises um, a challenge for the Dialogue Forum, which has insisted on Sibaya, which is the National Cattle Briar Forum, where the nation needs to amend the constitution or make decisions on any political change. They have insisted on a neutral venue, and they're insisting on a neutral mediator. While they have welcomed the SADC intervention, they still believe that they need to be party to a decision that will sort of formulate the nature of this dialogue. So they are calling for talks before the talks, which means bringing them to a roundtable to decide on the format to take. Um, that is the position that was released on Friday by the Montag Stakeholder Forum to say, while we welcome President Sirama's intervention, they want to decide on how the National Dialogue Forum 
and take shape or form. How is the atmosphere around Eswatini now, and what is the update on people that were affected by the protest? Well, the situation right now in the streets, the marches has uh, been quiet. Um, what we have now is ongoing talks, especially as you know, schools are closed. There have been talks between parents and the Ministry of Education of officials on how to reopen schools. An attempt was made to have parents sign consent forms that sort of bound them legally to say they'd be responsible if their children were to engage in riots. But this has been rejected outright by the parents, and the Ministry of Education has been conceded and said, look, we can do without the consent forms. So a tentative date has been put for November 16 to open schools. But there are preconditions that to make sure that some of the grievances that were raised by the pupils are met, including making sure there's adequate teachers. The other contentious issue is the release of the members of parliament who initiated the call for change who are behind bars and um, that they said is outside the jurisdiction of the Minister of Education and that would have to be dealt with at judiciary level in the Minister of Justice. So they have no power over that. But with the others, they will try and address before the tentative date of the 16th. The public transport workers are back. Um, they had been on strike as well. They have also met with the Prime Minister's office on their grievances, and there's been assurances that something is, is being done uh, to address those concerns. So they'll be back on the road for quite some time now. Um, otherwise, other than that, everything seems normal. Businesses is back to normal, and uh, we're just waiting for schools to open to actually get the whole... I thank you so much for your time and that update. That's the managing editor of Times of Eswatini, Martin Lamini in Mbambane. Meanwhile, the Human Rights Watch has called on security forces responsible for the atrocities during Eswatini's pro-democracy protest to be held accountable for human rights violations. The organization says Eswatini government should urgently agree to an independent international investigation into all the killings and any other human rights violations resulting from excessive use of force. To further discuss this, we're joined on the line by Human Rights Watch Southern Africa Director Dewa Mavenga. Very good morning to you, sir, and welcome. Um, good morning, Thank you so much for having me on the show. In terms of information, what have you gathered so far and on what took place during the protests in Eswatini? Well, what is now... Uh, abundantly clear to everyone is that uh, there was heavy-handed responses from the Eswatini armed forces. They used live ammunition and shot indiscriminately, uh, and uh, this resulted in the killing of uh, kids, uh, young people, um, adults, uh, old people, and we know that there has been no arrest of any member of the security forces um, no one has been held accountable. And we also know that at some point there was an attempt to um, blame this on so-called mercenaries, but there is no evidence that there were any mercenaries in Esotini. So this is the big challenge that um, excessive use of force by the Esotini authorities, uh, the security forces, continues to this day with no accountability and people are losing life and limb. Uh, and these things need to be addressed, and justice must be done. You've also called on the Eswatini government that should urgently agree to an independent international investigation into all the killings. Do you see that happening, and, and how will it be done? Well, we need to um, uh, push for that because 
um, clearly the domestic uh, institutions are inadequate and unable to uh, do that. So the most credible way of bringing justice is to have an independent international investigation. And there is need for Esotimus neighbors, including South Africa uh, and the Sadak region, uh, to apply pressure to ensure that this happens. Because if there is no uh, international oversight, uh, the king and his uh, allies have got excessive control over the systems in Eswatini, which means that justice cannot be done at that level. So we, this is why we are highlighting to the international community, uh, to the African uh, uh, Commission on Human and People's Rights, to the African Union, to say what needs to be done now is to open up to an international investigation and ensure that there is justice and there is uh, a dialogue process that is all-inclusive and that reaches sustainable solution. I thank you so much for your time and that update. That's Human Rights Watch Southern Africa Director Dewa Mavenga. We're also going to continue this conversation in a short while uh, with the international politics lecturer at the University of Lompopo, uh, Dr. Tiejo Lahori. But in the meantime, let me listen to some of your voice notes. Jumbo Africa Maeli, most of these wars we are experiencing in Africa can best be resolved by the AU, but because the AU is totally useless, they are unable to do such a thing. We, we end up have to appeal to the UN and the Europeans to come assist us. If we go into deep, it's just um, some greediness and selfishness leaders who either don't want to uh, step down from the seat or who are trying their best to take over the affairs of a certain country. That resolve in this. And the worst part is those who are totally ignorant about all these things get worse affected. How do we address then the imploding situation of hunger, armed conflict and civil unrest in Africa? You can let me know on the Facebook page, Twitter handle as well as on the WhatsApp line. On WhatsApp, this one coming in from Elfas Ngobo in KwaZulu-Natal says, Good morning, Elvis. Africa lacks, lacks credible leadership. It is being led mostly by tyrants who are only in it for themselves. The solution lies in the leaders like our own president and his cohorts to intervene and vehemently denounce those leaders who are governing through the strong hand. If countries like ours fail to intervene, then the influx of refugees into the country will continue incessantly and will lead to the depletion of resources required to sustain the citizens of this country, says Alphas. Mabaro Ketla says... Africa is suffering from the grip of the divide and rule modus operandi of the capitalist and liberal white supremacy under the guise of corporate-backed UN-inspired constitutionality that is rife with deceit. Morning, Elvis. Africa's problems are leadership who allow the wealth of Africa, which is owned by Western nations. Many heads of governments are corrupt and are in the pockets of the Western governments who would allow them to install military bases to create instability and wars while looting the resources of Africa, says Siara Salim. These are your comments. You can keep them coming. We'll read them as we continue. Now, as we continue with our discussion this morning on the issues of Africa, Africa continues to reel from turmoil after turmoil with a coup in Sudan, violent protests in Eswatini, Ethiopian authorities at war with Tigray people over for just over a year, just to mention but a few. We are joined on the line by international politics lecturer at the University of Lompopo, Dr. Tia Kholakhodi. A very good morning to you, doctor, and welcome. 
Good morning, Elvis and SAFM listeners. Thank you for having me. Dr. Africa seems to be at war with itself recently, with protests, civil wars and uh, coups, amongst others. Uh, What do you think is at the grassroots and the causes of these continuous conflict on the continent? Look, uh, the problems of Africa are not entirely new. I think all of this could be traced back to as far back as, you know, the political independence and even prior. But I think some of the, you know, core causes of this violent conflict, as we've witnessed them, are issues of, you know, religion, ethnicity, uh, service delivery, um, and, and so on. So I think there are quite a number of, of causes for such um conflict that we've been experiencing in the African continent. Now, you heard some of our comments coming from some of our listeners, but I'd like to ask you, how did then we address this imploding situation of conflicts, civil unrest, as well as hunger in Africa? Look, first, I think we need uh, political will from our government. Uh, not only that, I think even you know the African Union, as well as uh, various regional uh, bodies, in the African continent, but come together and find, you know, uh, alternative policies that would assist us in resolving some of the challenges that we are facing in the continent. But what does it say about regional and continental structures that have been tasked in leading Africa to a peaceful and prosperous uh, future, perhaps? Look, some of these regional um, organizations haven't really been doing much. That is why we have witnessed a lot of people arguing that what they have been doing really is much of a, a lip service and instead we need, we do know that they are obligated to try and intervene in resolving some of the challenges that we are facing in the continent. Now, former President Thabo Mbeki was adamant that there is an African renaissance. Whatever happened to that, do you think? Um, I think we still have it, although it's not really much know, uh, talked about as, as it was at the beginning, the issue of saying that African problems should be, we should find African solutions for African problems should, uh, must be prioritized. And I think also, you know, with, amongst others, the African continental free trade area, we are seeing, you know, our governments coming together to try and address some of the challenges that we are facing in the continent. Now, we're also asking our listeners the very same question. Let me take a look at what they tell me. Tebaho Smokey the Dawn says on Facebook, Greed is the mother of all our continent's downfall. Stupidity of our leaders for allowing a country to host a continent, etc., like the China-Africa summit. What nonsense is that, he asks. Sikhridani says, Hi, Alvis, don't you think that the, riot, uh, the, the, the riotous insurrection committed in South Africa this year in the name of ex-President Jacob Zuma was one of the worst infractions against African civilization committed in Africa this year? These are some of the questions that we get from our listeners. Um, and this one coming in from Tabo in Soweto uh, that says, uh, how, um, how state institutions fight each other, uh, Johannesburg Mayor, shallow leadership party egos. Uh, and I can't hear myself in my ear anymore, says Tabo uh, in Soweto. Uh, doctor, let me just come back to you. Is there any role played by the West in these conflicts? And what about the African Union? Um, yes, it, it could be argued that there is a role, a third party by the, the, the West in some of these conflicts that we are seeing, especially even in your, your Sudan, where you know, such states, we do know that they are rich, 
you know, oil state. And we do know that, you know, every state really is in pursuit of their own national interest. So we, we can argue that, you know, there is a role by such, you know, um, Western powers in, in the conflict that we're experiencing in the African continent. And also regarding the AU, also I think the AU really could do much uh, as opposed to just being an organization that, you know, is in the African continent. I think they can, you know, try to implement and try to resolve some of the challenges that we're facing in, the, in, in, in Africa. Doctor, I thank you so much for your time and joining us here this morning. Now, you can do the same and let me know what's on your mind in relation to what you just heard. That was the international politics lecturer at the University of Limpopo, uh, Dr. Tiago Lhodi. So what's your take on all of this? And uh, we are talking about Africa this morning. Uh, You've heard the examples I mentioned earlier on. Uh, You've seen Africa has been fighting more than just a global pandemic. We also have COVID throughout uh, this year. and of the year before that, some of the countries have been experiencing intense humanitarian crises. There are nations that are wrestling with high hunger rates and civil unrest. In East Africa, for instance, the war in Sudan, the collapse of the state of Somalia, and the conflict in Rwanda and Burundi, as well as the situation in Ethiopia. But let me take a listen to some of your voice notes. Uh, morning, Elvis. Is it true that the meaning of ANC is Arrogant, notorious criminals. I want to know that from you people. I don't understand. Is that the meaning of ANC? Arrogant, notorious criminals. Anonymous. Good morning, Elvis. This is Emmanuel Mtolo uh, in Japan, Matikwe. Elvis, Lord Shetting, Lord Shetting, Lord Shetting. Do you think NC can create uh, any job opportunities for the for the for the people of this country? Uh, I think again, you cannot create any job uh, with Lord Shetting in the country. Now, you can keep them coming and do so on the Facebook page as well as on the Twitter handle. Uh, That question for you, and you can continue this conversation throughout the day uh, on the Twitter handle, on the Facebook page, as well as on the SMS line. How do we address the imploding situation of hunger, armed conflict, and civil unrest in Africa? You can also call us in studio 011-714-8. Triple nine. Uh, let's uh, take a listen to, in fact, Errol has just uh, gone off the line, uh, but you can also do so on the Facebook page and the Twitter handle as well. Let me go back uh, to some of your comments. This one coming in from Mabaro Ketla says, How I wish that Ramaphosa's Eswatini intervention doesn't usher in the UN's British-US-French coalition-style democracy into that country blindly like what it is and what South Africa did, he says. On the Facebook page, this one coming in from uh, I Pretend No More, says this one. In fact, that one we did already. And let me just go further here on the Twitter handle. Uh, Cobra, you are calling us. Um, oh, Cobra, very good morning to you. Jumbo Africa from the Free State. Hey, how are you, Elvis? I'm just answering the, the, the audio that saying that what is the meaning of the ANC? <laughs> It's a correct one that the ANC is an arrogant, uh, is a criminal organization. Yes, it's the right one, that one, the, the audio <laughs> is saying that. 
<laughs> thank you. That, so, that's that's yeah. how the ANV it is. Yes. yes. But thank what's you. but what's your thoughts on Africa and how do we resolve our problems here? Hey, in in Africa, Elvis, all of us we are headache about Africa because we are governed by the greedy people, the people who are looking for themselves, the people who are enriching themselves. They are too greedy, and nothing will come to right in Africa, Elvis. I thank you so much. Uh, Cobra come calling us from the Free State. Unfortunately, that's all the time that we have for you this morning here on The Weekend View. Uh, on behalf of the team, let me just scroll down here to my team this morning, Marumo Kakana. And we also have uh, Tiswi Namanashe, our technical producer, Neri Amukwen, our senior producer, Nomalisa Mandela, and our executive producer, uh, Vutsi Lokoto. My name is Elvis Preston. We'll see you bright and early tomorrow morning on First Take SA. Ciao for now. Arrivederci!